Ah, yes, friends. It's OGP, the one giant podcast on a Thursday. Coming at you. Hot and heavy, wet and wild. We'll get to that in a second with Andrew Makowitz, which he is here with me as one of the co-hosts. I'm covering the Brooklyn Nets over on the Locked On Nets podcast, and he's that generational season ticket holder. We're going to break down the latest second-round candidate for the New York Football Giants for the GM job. Andy has some questions about the process by which the Giants are trying to select their next GM and head coach. And then we'll even get into some potential head coaching candidates that could splinter off of this and kind of update where we stand on who we prefer to see at the helm for Big Blue. But Andy, as we welcome you in, how wet and wild have you been getting down there in Florida? Seems like you're you're getting a little bit riskier, I'd say, as your life in Florida expands. Listen, so there's a there's a, a water park in the resort that we're staying at. We, we have a house here, but it's about a 10-minute walk, and there's a, uh, a five-story slide that you can go down. And I basically called out my brother-in-law, calling him a wimp for not wanting to do it, that makes sense. only to have him go down and then call me out. And I was like, oh, now I have to do it. Let me tell you, you, you know, as you shoot down that thing, you're getting some pretty good uh, force going down. Like, yeah, it is not for the faint of heart. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I um, I tell you, water parks are interesting. Uh, there's the kids. There's the water. There's what kids do in water. That's always a factor for me. Um, but but man, those those that sounds like uh, Six Flags has it right. The elevator drop, the Tower of Terror. Like that's what that sounds like to me. And something about that, I'm like, I don't know if I need to experience that. So probably. Yeah. Probably for the best that I wasn't there to be playing chicken. I, I've realized we're, we're down here and we've done, you know, Animal Kingdom. We've done Epcot, which is great because you go on the safari rides and then Epcot, you drink, you eat and drink a bunch. But Adam, like Universal Studios and, and Magic Kingdom and stuff, they're like, look at this, you know, uh, Tower of Terror. And then look at this other thing. And they're like, yeah, they just put you in the pitch black and then you fall like 500 feet. I'm like, I don't. I'm, I'm over 35 years old now. Like, I don't think I need that in my life anymore. Like when you're 18, you need the thrill at like 36. Not so much anymore. <laughs> the, the thrill, the thrill of a younger man. Listen, uh, let's cut the crap and dive into it here. Before we break down Adam Peters, he gets into the second round of interviews as well. That makes three candidates that have come in now for the second round. Uh, along with Ryan Poles from the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, you have Joe Shane from the Buffalo Bills as well. So we're going to break that down in a minute. But uh, in the prep for this show, we come across maybe a f familiar theme coming out of this offseason, some speculation around the Giants, a little bit of nepotism, as they like to say. Um, what were you hearing about, or I guess what are your concerns regarding the GM search committee inside the New York Giants organization? Well, it's just something that we need to circle back on because it's been uh, just over a week since Joe Judge was let go and and John Mara came out with his pre press conference where he answered questions, but it was like very specific. You weren't allowed to respond to certain questions. And one of them was about nepotism in the organization with, with uh, you know, VP player personnel, Chris Mara. And, mm -hmm. you know, John Mara said he's he's done it on his merits. He's one of the best personnel guys in the league. And that could possibly be true. Then he kind of backtracked and said, no, he doesn't really have as much power as you guys think or influence as you, as you may think. And yet for all of these, co you know, GM searches and, and all of these interviews, it's Steve Tisch, John Mara and Chris Mara sitting in the room. And, and it just strikes me as odd, Adam, that you have the VP of player personnel who usually reports into the general manager and he's sitting in the room interviewing his potential boss. So like if he hears something like, you got to be in at six o'clock every day. Chris, you know, Chris America just be like, I don't want this guy. Like he doesn't have the right mindset. And it's like, how do you have this? It, Adam, I don't know if you know this, but is this just how it's done around the league that they bring in like player personnel guy or 
VP of the scouting department just to like get another frame of reference? Or is this purely me thinking about the dysfunction of the Giants? Well, so right. So let's couch the the dysfunction piece of it. There's a couple of things. We know that coming into this search, we think that the New York football giants are going to approach it in a in a better way than they have in the past. And John Merritt mentioned as much. So the first thing that just in terms of the search, you have Jordan Renan who came out and said, the most encouraging thing to take away from the Giants GM search, from what I've heard, they are offering carte blanche to candidates to reshape the organization. The Giants way of operating is about to change drastically no matter who is hired. So at least from who you want to bring in and what the path forward is for the team seems like it's going in the right direction. Now, are they using the best process to get there? When you hear the name Chris Mara, one of the things that sometimes comes up, and I'll reference uh, an athletic article by Dan Dugan, we're going back to the uh, 2015 draft. It didn't sit well, Dan Dugan wrote, with some colleagues when Chris Mara, a partner in Starlight Racing, left the Giants' war room during the third day of the 2015 draft to watch his horse run in the Kentucky Derby. New York made one pick during Mara's flight to Louisville and another after he arrived at Churchill Downs. Chris Mara said at the time, look, if we were in the first or second round today, I probably wouldn't be here, Mara told Sports Illustrated reporter uh, chronicling his double duty. Is that really your priority over what we're doing here in the draft? A former member of the front office said it's something that all other guys just couldn't do. So in that vein, I'm going to couch the first part of this, and then I'll give a couple examples of what's going on around the league. One of the things that came out along this process is remember that we always talk about how John Mara and Steve Tisch are part owners of the New York football giants, but the 50% that John Mara, that we all associate to John Mara, it's the Mara family. That includes Chris Mara, right? They all they all split the 50%. John Mara happens to be the oldest of the group, and he is, of course, the one we associate with, and he's the guy at the top of the Giants food chain. But the Maras collectively, or any Mara that's involved in the organization, does technically have you know a certain amount of stake in the game. So I think that It's probably a slightly unique scenario to some other organizations, but you do probably have to couch that in the idea of Chris Mara being in the room. Maybe he doesn't have a lot of influence, but John gets that he, you know, he's going to be in here because he's technically, he technically owns a part of this thing. So whatever his title is in the organization, I'm also going to give him a little bit of a shake, which we can say maybe ties back to nepotism before I reach the other, reach out to the other organizational examples here. Does that, does that, does that quell any of your concerns, Andy? No, because if you want to be an owner, then get rid of the VP of player personnel title and be an owner. And like be, you a co- be a co-co-owner. Right. You you can't have it both ways. You can't be <laughs> actively involved in the player evaluations and the nitty gritty. And then all of a sudden be like, but I'm an owner. So I get to decide everything else. It's like, what's the point of having anyone else in the room if that if you're going to do that? It's the classic, uh, it's the classic Michael Scott, Matt Michael Scott opportunity, right? Two co-managers. Name an organization that hasn't been successful with two co-managers. <laughs> But here's what I'll also say, which I think this is the ultimate thing for me. You talk about looking for a GM and let's say also looking for a new head coach. I just looked around right now and what's going on around the league over for the Denver Broncos. As an example, George Patton is the is the general manager there. And when you talk about what's going on with their search for the head coach, they have a committee that's consisting of himself as well as the director of player personnel, Darren Mogi, executive director of football operations, Kelly Klein, contract and salary cap maven, Rich Hurtado, vice president of player development, Ray Jackson, and chief communication officer, Patrick Smith. Now, that's for the head coach hire, and it doesn't say that they're in there for the interview process. 
But there you go. This is the collection of people that are navigating who they want to bring in as their next head coach. On top of that, I went over and took a look at the Vikings who are looking for both a GM as well as a new head coach. And the internal search committee includes Mark and Ziggy Wilf, who we know are the, the co-owners, the COO, Andrew Miller, and EVP of football operations, Rob Brzezinski. So and there's a couple other people that they mentioned could be in there as well that are all collaborating at both the GM and head coach level as far as the search goes. Do we know that we extended into them being in the room for the interviews? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm not I'm not going to I don't think that this is as big a deal. I think it, it raises a red flag because the Giants have been dysfunctional. Well, it, it, the Giants have been a well-run organization and Dave Gettleman had a really successful tenure as GM and he was just retiring and they were moving on and Chris was in the room. You go. Cool. It's only it's only because it's been so disastrous. If this was a decade ago, and it, say it was after Ernie Accorsi, right? Was Chris Mara in the room when they did the internal interview with Jerry Reese? Would you even you wouldn't even think twice about it? So I think a lot of these things do come down to this idea of when you're bad, and rightfully so, when you're a bad team and you've been poorly run, anything that you do is going to be scrutinized to the nth degree. Because it should, because we're not entirely, we're not entirely a hundred percent honest. If we know that John Merrill, when he steps in front of that podium goes, you guys don't know a thing about nepotism. We got it all buttoned up in here. We don't know until the GM gets hired until the head coach gets hired and we see some success. You know what, you know, it'd be great. And this is the last thing I'll say on this whole thing. Cause it, it, it it's just the dysfunction really yep. that leads us to question all these things. What would be amazing is they finish the, the meeting with Adam Peters and they're like, all right, we have interviewed our top three candidates second interviews walked them through the facility it's amazing and chris mara steps up and says wait there's one more interview for general manager it's me chris mara in the flesh i've been here the whole time i know the strengths and weaknesses of all the other candidates i'm better than all of them john and steve why don't you hire me as general manager wouldn't that just be so like so new york giants that they're like we decided to go with chris mara as our general manager the sitcom references can't stop here. It's like Arrested Development and Job, right? Surprise! <laughs> Who do you think's going to be the GM? The guy, the guy in the in the in the in the in the three thousand dollars suit? Like it, it's yeah. Listen, that would be the ultimate level of Giants dysfunction, and I don't think it's going to happen. But but listen, uh, it, it's reasonable to wonder about it. And to your point now, as we talk about where the GM cur- search currently is, we're going to get to that in a second here because Peters did come in, and we know about some of the trickle down effect there. Real quick though. If you want to speculate on things being out of order here, it would be that the news came out yesterday that Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, has set an interview with the Giants for the head coaching job. Uh, We know that he obviously has been with Dallas prior to that. He had five years with the Atlanta Falcons, went to the Super Bowl, had that disastrous second half meltdown uh, that afforded the Patriots to grab another chip there for Tom Brady. Um, I guess the first thing I don't my take is I'm not worried about them interview scheduling the interview because it seems like all indications are that any of the GM candidates they brought in now, excluding the fact that Adam Peters was there for his first one, not for his second one. But it seems like all indications around the league are any GM candidate when asked says, yeah, I would love to have a discussion with Dan Quinn. It seems like he's this hot name to get into some of these head coaching positions. Do you take any issue with the Giants having pre-scheduled that interview basically before they have the GM locked up? And and what's your general thought on Dan Quinn just as a head coach potentially? So the first thing that came to my mind was, if we go back to the dysfunction, I'm like, here we go again. The Giants are going out of order. And then 
And then I'm actually listening to the people that know certainly more than you and I do. You know, look at a guy like Art Stapleton. He's, he basically came out and he said, they have to do this because they've already talked to each of these general managers. And to think that these GMs don't have a short list of head coaching candidates that maybe they tease out when they're mm -hmm. talking about the direction or the vision for the organization would be ludicrous, right? Yeah. And so Dan Quinn is a hot commodity on the market. I think four teams have requested to interview Dan Quinn. It The Giants needed to be known to, to Dan Quinn and his team, like, hey, we are in this for you. Because the challenge that they have is, let, let, let's play this out, right? Let's say he interviews for three other jobs, and the Giants wait four, five, six days, seven days, Obviously. and all of a sudden they pick the GM, and the GM's like, I would like Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn's like, I've got two other offers out right now that, that expire. I can't wait to do your interview process for another week or two. So like when you think about the, the order of things, I'm not really that upset with them at least scheduling something with Dan Quinn because he's probably going to come, come in and meet whoever the GM is one more time anyway, but you got to get him on the radar at least. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I, that's what I think this makes sense in a lot of ways. Cause I, I don't know if we officially found out what day he's going to come into interview. Let's assume it's going to be Monday or Tuesday of next week. Right? So if we think potentially this GM role could be filled by the end of the week or over the weekend, you want to have these things lined up and guess what? We've seen this before by in the past, not with the giants teams around the league, you can schedule an interview and then cancel it. Right. Or a head coach, a potential candidate can cancel an interview that he had set up because he decided to take an offer with the bears, with the Vikings, wherever it may be. So I think it's good to get on the book. So you let Dan Quinn know, Hey, we're interested and you may want to hold off any decisions or commitments until you see who we have at the GM and how that may feel for you. But uh, on, on Quinn himself, how do you feel? And go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so on, on Quinn himself, um, I think he's a good coach. He's a, he's a, he's a very good coach. He's a great defensive coach. And if you want a defensive coach like Dan Quinn, I'm fine with it. He's a New Jersey native. He's, he had success in Atlanta before it kind of tumbled and fell apart. I don't think they ever got over the, the Patriot loss in the Super Bowl, So they kind of hung that over his head and he was bound to, to leave after that. He helped revitalize a Dallas defense that was like historically bad last year and made them competent you know, and, and led, I think they led the league in turnovers at that point. So Dan Quinn as a, as a defensive coach would be, would be a good hire. I mean, I just think immediately about who would be the offensive coordinator in that situation. He, you know, he's smart enough to have Kyle Shanahan uh, back in Atlanta. I'm curious who he would be able to, to poach to be his offensive coordinator. Um, but, but Adam, what I wanted to talk about with outside of Dan Quinn was the, the way this coaching coaching carousel and coaching situation works without the GM. So I think, uh, you know, Connor wrote on Twitter, I believe, and he said he thinks at least three of the GMs that were interviewed for the Giants had Brian Flores on their short list of coaches they would like to bring in. Yeah. The, the reason why you're not hearing anything about the Giants interviewing Brian Flores right now is because he was fired by the by the Dolphins they don't have to request permission to interview Brian Flores at any moment. Dan Quinn is currently the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. So you have to call mm. and say, Hey, we would like to speak to Dan Quinn. Do we have right. your permission? Brian Flores can talk to the giants back channel, do whatever he needs to at a moment's notice. So, you know, th this comes out, out and people are like, Oh my goodness, they're requesting permission. This is how it goes when they're currently employed. A guy like Flores, who's on the street right now, you could be having these side conversations and have things teed up ready to go Monday morning without having to do all this, you know, stuff out in the open. 
Right. No, that's that's a good point too. Yeah, all these requests are only based on still being currently employed by another team, and then it gives, say, in this case, the Dallas Cowboys a chance to make a different decision, right? Re-up him, and I'll be curious to see how Dallas responds to this in some ways because he is such a hot commodity. Real, the last thing I'll say on this before we get into some other things, um, Dan Quinn was the, was the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys this past year. I know that he revamped it, but don't we also agree, like all year long? And I'm not I'm not taking credit away from him. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm neither here nor there on if the Giants brought him in for the for an interview and if they liked him and if and if GMs ended up liking him, like you say, I'm going to trust someone else with a little bit more knowledge on it than me. But the Dallas Cowboys also had, you know brought in Diggs and had and had a, a top player that we were thinking the Giants may be interested in the draft, whose name is now just completely falling off my lips. Hit it, Andy. Micah Parsons. Thank you, sir. Like they brought in a ton of athletic talent that allowed them to fly around the field and and be a more dynamic defense. I'm not taking a I'm not trying to take away credit from Dan Quinn, but I also think the influx of talent really helped that there. And the other thing that I'll point to as well, the Atlanta Falcons, man, he was there for I know that he was there for five years. Uh, six years, excuse me, from 15 to 20. And I know they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. They followed it up by losing in the divisional game against the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017. But he came in as the head coach, eight and eight, 11 and five, 10 and six, and then seven and nine, seven and nine, and then 0 and five before being fired in 2020. Like, we always talk about the previous regime and, you know, and what's the wave that you ride there. In In some regards, it feels like that was always a high powered offense with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. We know that Kyle Shanahan was there at the time as the OC. Like, I wonder if he caught this really good wave of having a high-powered offense, pulled some punches with the defense for sure, but then if we think about the biggest failures, a a 28-3 to lead that collapses in the second half of a Super Bowl, I just don't know if maybe there's some rose-colored glasses around that because remember, that's at like the peak of Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons offensive superpowers, and I think it's, it's easy to ride that wave if you're in the head coaching chair. Well, what I will say is that that is a very fair statement. Ultimately, the reason why he got fired, it, you know, obviously the record it being part of it, but the defense wasn't performing anymore. The defense was just giving up massive, right. big, right. huge plays. And he is a defensive stalwart, right? Yep. However, Adam, the, you think back to the reason why he got the Atlanta Falcon job, and that was he was the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks and yep. the Legion yep. of Boom, and he built that up. And you can say, well, did he luck himself into having the Legion of Boom and two or three or four different Hall of Famers on the defensive side of the ball? Maybe, but, but it, you know, all of these coincidences coming together, like defensive coordinator of an amazing defense, getting to the Super Bowl, like eventually, you know, when you, when you have luck fall your way like five or six times, it starts to be a trend of like, well, maybe he is putting sure. himself in the right spots to be successful. Yeah, and that's fair. And again, so I'm not, I'm not going to knock it. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'll put it this way. I don't know if he'd be first or maybe second on my list in terms of head coaches that would excite me for the New York football giants. That being the case, the interview that's being conducted today, second round, third candidate up. We don't know if this will be the last candidate to get a second interview with the New York football giants, but that's Adam Peters, assistant general manager for the San Francisco 49ers. I still think you and I see him as our favorite for the job. You outlined it really well uh, a couple episodes ago now about his track record of the different places he's been and the success that he's helped to build up. Um, How do you look at it when now Joe Shane was the first one in the door? We've kind of said that it it looks like the sense is he's the leader uh, for this role potentially. And then Dable would be connected to him there. But do you look at it as who's the last guy you interview? Because sometimes it's really about saying, well, if you can impress me more, 
then it becomes the next interview's job to to blow you out of the water. Now, now at the end of it, though, we bring in the guy we loved and we just say, hey, listen, some flashy things came through the door. Can you just go ahead and confirm that you're the man to lead us forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. Like the order of operation, who knows? They could have been re- requesting interviews and then scheduling conflicts that don't allow people to get right, in at certain right, times. Right. Like both Adam Peters and Joe Shane are still, you know, assistant GMs or VP of player personnel in in the playoffs as we speak. So I'm sure they have bigger things to worry about in terms of like making sure things are okay for their playoff teams rather than, you know, getting in the door first. So like, I'm not really putting too much into which order, uh, you know, people are getting interviewed, but certainly Joe Shane interviewed first, then it got leaked by whomever that he really stunned everyone and he was amazing and he was quite impressive. So they're already kind of like the quote from Chris Mara. He was really stunned and impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like someone, they're already teasing these breadcrumbs out about Joe Shane and everyone saying how much they love him. He took a tour around the facility. He met everyone. Ryan Poles did the same thing, but it seems like that they're already just getting the temperature of the, of the fan base on Joe Shane. But I would really, really hope that the giants and Adam Peters coming in, I believe today to get this interview that he gets a, a shot at this. And if he hits it out of the park, that we we don't waste any more time, and by Friday we get this wrapped up. Let me get yeah, real quick. There's two side notes I want to hit here. The first one is just: Do you think you know? You've said this before. When we talked with Candace Cooper about the fan base and how John Mara does listen to what fans say. Do you think that that, that they are breadcrumbing out how things are feeling internally on some of these candidates so that fans can respond to it? Because I'll go back to it. I said that if the fans were influencing your decision-making around anything that you've done, it ultimately is a bad practice because it means that you don't have convictions and you're not trusting all the people that you put together in the room, including Chris Mara, to help you make these decisions. Do you you think that that's a part of what the Giants are doing here, testing the waters of how the fan base would feel about a Shane, Ryan Poles, or now Adam Peters? Listen, look look at Greg Schiano. Right. Greg Schiano was the former head coach of, of Rutgers and then he moved around. He was in the NFL. He was flamed out. The I'm University back. of Ten- the, the, the University of Tennessee hires Greg Schiano right out of the blue. And the fan base is so angry about how bad the hire was and how it wouldn't connect and it wouldn't align that he basically didn't even get on campus before they had to like withdraw it, fire, resign. Yeah. And like yeah. you can say that's dysfunctional on Tennessee's part. But then you could also say, well, they really like this guy, but they didn't read the room. Like they didn't understand what was going on. I think that's important. So for me, it's, I think it's smart at the very least, if, if you have conviction about a guy and the giant and giant fans are all excited about it, that's just like, you know, we're all in this boat together. Give us a little bit more time. There's a little bit more patience. You understand what the expectations are going to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think the one difference is like from college to pros, right? We we know the boosters and the the contributors, the donors, and then the fan the, the fan base that 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 runs a little bit more rabid at the college level. And there's there's more of a connection there. And really, we say fans, it's it's the people that dumped a, a ton of money into your into your college yes. and that paying fit. You don't want Greg Schiano as the coach. He said you should have listened to us when I was cutting that check. Um. On, on the Adam Peters front, then, there's also some speculation that D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator for the 49ers could be a candidate that Peters would want to bring in for the potential head coaching position. The quick rundown on these uh, on him, and then also I want to get to Mike McDaniel, who we've talked about before, but there's something I want to kind of clarify on him. D'Amico Ryan's, obviously he played with the Texans and also the Philadelphia Eagles, so the name could sound familiar, right? 2012 to 2015. 
Um, but then as a coach, came in with the 49ers defensive quality control coach in 2017, 2018 to 20 as the linebackers coach, and then defensive coordinator starting 2021. Do you, is that too short? Is that too short of a track record for you to say that I, I can feel comfortable going this, this direction? But I think we kind of come back to this thing of, well, if the organization likes Adam Peters, then you trust him. And it goes back to that Jordan Renan quote, carte blanche. So if it's Adam Peters and he says it's D'Amico Ryans, that's done deal, right? Like you, you have to be all in on that process, but would you have reservations? So I have gone back and forth on this and now I am officially in, in moving forward one way street, not looking back on this. I no longer care about how long it's been. And, and there's a couple of reasons why one is the NFL is evolving and changing so quickly that like having 30 years of NFL defensive coordinator, like coaching yep. it is, is great. It's not a knock, but it, it's not as, as important as I think it used to be with how quickly the landscape is changing. And so, you know, D'Amico Ryan's everyone is saying like, he is inspirational. They love him. He's having this meteoric rise. He's, he's going to be a head coach. And it's like, do you want to jump on that rocket ship? Now, what I will say is in terms of D'Amico Ryan's, I am in, I prefer an offensive uh, head coach, even though I know that there's nothing to it. You know, we talked about it before, how they've, they've broken it down. But I will say this, Adam, if you look in the NFC this year, in terms of the teams that made the playoffs, all of the playoff teams had offensive minded head coaches yep. this year. So like, it, I mean, it's just the way things are going. Defenses, the way the rules are are, are set up now with, with, you know, illegal contact penalties and pass interference being ticky tacky offenses can take advantage of it. And the really, really smart minds are not necessarily the guys that are 60 years old and have been in the league for 20 years. They're the 34 year old guy that grew up playing Madden and is like, how do I break the game? Like, how do I beat the game using like the, the most unfair trick plays, crazy tactics and strategies. And I think that's what you see with Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, like all of those young talented guys. I think you're right. I think that the companion piece to it is the offensive coordinator becomes very important, right? So you can be a defensive head coach and then have the right guy at that role there to help execute the offense. I can go either way on that, and you can convince me that that one guy is well-suited for it over another. I think D'Amico Ryans, maybe I would say, oh, I wouldn't hate if it was another year, but I'd had a really good um, exchange over with uh, Colin Brady, he's a fan of the Locked On Nets show, but also likes the Giants. So we started exchanging things on Twitter. And kind of to your point of, we were talking a little bit about the Rooney rule and making sure you're getting in and giving fair shakes to minority candidates. And certainly D'Amico Ryans would fall into that category. But ultimately, what I came to that conclusion you kind of said was where, listen, I, I want the best candidate in any position in the organization. But I do think there is this disconnect of saying, well, 30 years experience as a GM in, in the NFL, that's good. 15, not enough. Head coach. Three years as a coordinator, not enough, but seven, totally worth it. Like, and I think that is the evolving NFL and being able to say just because you have 30 years experience in the industry doesn't necessarily mean you are the best mind now in the industry. Right. And I think there has been a little bit of that disconnect around the NFL still, and you're, and you're seeing that transition away. Let me, let me give you a prime example back in, I believe it was 2012 or 2013. Pardon me if I got the year just slightly off, but the Washington football team had Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur 
all on uh, under coaching. And they decided to promote Jay Gruden to the head coach, right? Oh, because they're like, these guys are too young. They, they need a little bit more seasoning. Mm. They're wet behind okay. the, you know, like all, yep. all the little euphemisms they say for like, you're not old enough to take this, this big, big boy job. Mm. And now look at it. You look, you look at those three guys, all three of them, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur are all in the playoffs right now. And, and, and Washington has been a mess ever since. So like, to me, it, it's just find a guy you like. And that's why what the Rams did started to break this mold. Like yep. They're like, ah, okay, Sean McVay is what, 30 years old. Okay. He knows football. He gets it. We want a guy like him. And so on that front to close out the conversation on Adam Peters, before I give you one last little tidbit from around the GM search for the New York football giants, Mike McDaniel. I know we all see him at the press conference. He looks like a dungeon and dragons player, bit of a nerd. Doesn't know which way is loose. Might only be 19. We're not entirely sure. He started his NFL career as an intern with the Denver Broncos in 2005. Went on to be an offensive assistant for Houston from 06 to 08. Went to the Sacramento Mountain Line, so left the NFL as a running back coach for a year. Then came back in with the Washington football team, 11-12 as an offensive assistant. Wide receivers coach with Washington. Cleveland Browns, wide receiver coach in 2014. Falcons 15 and 16 as an offensive assistant. And then the 49ers as a run game coordinator from 17 to 20 before getting the offensive coordinator job this past year. Point being is, one, this dude has been around the league a little bit. And I think if we're talking about you know head coaching candidates, this is where you want to say, let's not be short-sighted around someone. And maybe like it's almost the perfect overlap here of saying, let's not miss out. Let's not miss out on the next young mind in the NFL that can really help take things forward here and has learned a little bit underneath and around some of these other organizations. I mentioned where he was with the Washington team. So that means he was among some of these other young coaches that are now leading teams in the playoffs. So I think you don't want to miss out on that. And that, that track record alone does start to buoy me a little bit on the idea of if it's going to be Adam Peters or anybody, by the way, I, I at least would love to hear that the giants are bringing in McDaniel for an interview. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's tough because he is a little bit aloof. And if, do you want that type of person leading sure. your, your team? I, I honestly think Mike McDaniel's in the perfect situation as an offensive coordinator. Like that is great. He can just handle the offense. He lets the head coach do all the things, do all the interviews and meetings and things. And also obviously he was on that same staff in Washington with Kyle Shanahan. He has that familiarity. He's kind of like in his nice little warm, cozy blanket. It would be interesting to see if he does want to make this move. And then the spotlight is glaring on Mike McDaniel as, as the leader of men for the New York Giants. And, and in both and in both circumstances, D'Amico Ryans or McDaniel, I'll again layer in the fact that Patrick Graham is still on the New York football Giants staff. And I wonder if it say was McDaniel, would you want to, would you want to look at the defensive side of the ball and go, listen, I think that this guy can help run this. I'm sure you'll hear from players as far as giving a voice of confidence for Patrick Graham. If he's not going to get opportunities elsewhere, then maybe that's the dynamic you do create of, yeah, we're bringing in a young coach, first-time head coach, and also we're going to try to keep in place some things that have functioned well for us, although that's tricky with the Giants given uh, their history over the last decade. Last thing, we talked about Ryan Poles the other day. He got in, in the second round. We got a little uh, Kiwi sighting here. Kiwi stamp of approval. Does this mean anything for you when I tell you that Matthias Kiwanuka said, I know him, Kiwanuka told Newsday. I know his character. I sat and broken bread with him. I know how hard he is willing to work. I think he can do it. He's well-equipped well for the job. He is more than up to the challenge. He gets it. 
And I believe he would bring that to you, to New York. Kiwanuka was, of course, for two years uh, ahead of polls at Boston College, but recalled him as a cerebral offensive lineman who even then had an understanding of how the offense came together as a whole. Quote, he understood where receivers are supposed to be lined up and why somebody was out of formation and where the play is supposed to be hitting. That was Kiwanuka speaking on Ryan Poles. Does that do it for you, Andy? Does a former New York football giant saying he likes somebody completely change your opinion on where the Giants should go? No. Ah. But but a recurring guest and friend of the OGP show saying it and being a former Giant player definitely hits home for me. When you get Matthias Kiwanuka, who has been on our show, wonderful, wonderful interview. If you haven't listened We'll, we'll post another link uh, on, on our social media to get back to him. He is so insightful. I mean, I love it. It, it. It's one of those things where when good, smart people are advocating for other really smart people, there's nothing wrong. And the only time it, like that you hear a former player or someone come out and, and they would say something negative, then all of a sudden your antenna goes up and says, right. well, wait a second. Like maybe we need to do a little bit of due diligence. This is right in line with everything that everyone has said about Ryan Poles. And we love hearing Kiwi say it. Of course, listen, as you say, friend of the show, Matthias Kiwanuka, delicious wandering wines available at all your local retailers. Uh, Listen, that's where we stand right now. Three second round candidates for the GM position. Some head coaches being potentially tied to the New York football giants. We'll see what happens today with Adam Peters interview. And, you know, listen, hopefully it's wrapped up by tomorrow. But as we said, Hortiz from Baltimore, there's some other names that have been badnied about around the Giants opportunity. And I'm fine if they want to bring in another one. Remember, uh, even though we want to move this process along, John Mara did say we're, we're going to try to avoid the mistake we made last time, which was rushing the process. So I think now that we feel like there's all these very viable candidates, we want to go ahead and, and lock one in and feel like we're ready to roll. But it's okay to take our time here. So we'll see what unfolds over the next couple of days. And of course, be back in to update it all. You can follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast. And uh, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, the demand that people know here on YouTube as well, where you should be following us. Uh, what do the, the fans need to know? It kind of fizzled there. Hold well, on. well, don't worry. I'll bring it home, Adam. Yeah, ramp it back up. As always, let's go big blue.